ZX. This is a podcast in which we take a lighthearted view at some of the ideas we regularly come across in the world of business. We'll take an idea, evaluate it, and get to whether it's an idea worth keeping, or in fact, a ZX, an idea worth binning. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to ZX. Today, the idea that we're unpacking is time management, and is it an idea worth binning? What, in fact, is time management? Good question. Mm-hmm. Well, let me give you my perspective. From all of the research I've done, the three buckets that I think that time management mostly falls into, planning, prioritizing, and performing, in order that somebody can maximize their performance and be as productive as possible during a workday. Interesting. And it feels like there's a whole industry out there of books, online courses, methodologies. I don't know if it's north of a billion dollars or pounds, but it's got to be getting close of people trying to make money out of keeping you on time. Yeah. And that makes me think time management has got to have something valuable in it. There is clearly something that is worthwhile capturing if all these people can make money from it. So I wonder what that is. And maybe we'll unpack that. What do you think good looks like on time management? Very Um, touchy question. Sorry. (laughs) What does good look like? I think that there is a real challenge around the fact that Time management and organizational skills are conflated here. So I think that time management is actually about being super organized. It's about planning your day. It's about being focused. It's about being clear about what you're trying to achieve. And calling it time management dresses it up maybe with some sort of superhero cloak and wow, if I can be amazing at time management, I can do anything. And just to give you a little seed of what might be coming up, I think it's a real challenge because I'm not sure it can solve all problems or productivity problems. But We'll dive into that later. What do you think? With you, I think the perception of time management is if I'm organized, I can do more in the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's about increasing the output or performative, as you said. And I don't necessarily buy that. Just to think about what actually is included in time management, what kind of comes under that umbrella. It seems to me it's about planning better. It's about setting reminders, using technology better. People talk about giving tasks a time limit, blocking out distractions, establishing a routine, all these tips and techniques. That I think are just that. They are kind of some gloss, perhaps, on some other challenges that aren't being addressed because we're talking about some of the the tactics rather than thinking a bit more strategically. Yeah, definitely. So do you think reading a book or attending a course is going to make you better at time management? It's a great question. And I'm going to kind of say probably not with a caveat, which is that there will be some things you might pick up that will be helpful. There will be some ideas that you think, oh, that is actually a great idea. Maybe if I use this delegating technique slightly differently, then I might be able to give myself a bit better time or a bit more time, sorry. But broadly speaking, I think if you're fiddling around with the tactical, you're missing the fundamental, which is just about the fact that time is finite. And by definition, therefore, you can only do a certain amount of stuff in it. So in some ways, it's about not time management, it's about choice. Unquestionably, yes. I think it's a lovely way of putting it. What am I going to work on and what am I not going to work on? Yeah, yeah. And, and how do you make those choices? And I think that by definition is quite difficult. Making those choices about priorities can be hard. So let's not deal with the hard stuff. Let's think about some of the more accessible tips and techniques that will give you back 10 minutes each day. So um, let's touch on why it's attractive to people. I think the people love tips and techniques. People like to learn something new, and then apply it at least for a day before they forget about it, which is the, seems to be the norm. Mm. So what do you hear by way of some of the work that you do about what people are looking for in time management? And why, why are they looking for it? What's driving them to 
I need to be a better time manager. Yeah. And I think that's because it's seen as this shiny superhero in the world of work. And therefore, it's so attractive because it will solve all problems, apparently. If you're good at time management, and I've literally written these down from the internet this morning, it will reduce your stress. It will give you back time. And as well as I do, John, how much I absolutely detest that idea because what a notion. How can you give somebody back time? Anyway, don't get me started. I want no one to <laughs> <laughs> But apparently, if you get time management right, it will improve your confidence. It will prevent you from procrastinating. You name it, and time management can do this for you. And of course, that's attractive to people who wouldn't want more confidence and to be less stressed at work. These are all attractive ideas. I think the challenge is that being able to manage your time better, whatever that might mean, is not going to give you those things. Yeah. What do you think? Am I talking rubbish or is there something in there, do you think? I think there's a piece around people seeing it as the fix-all. If I'm good at that, then I'll be good at everything. So I think Mm -hmm. that is a fallacy around it. I mean, I think, as you've said, there is an element of being organized that needs to be there. And there's also something around managing your reputation, probably, in the office. I don't think you want to be known as not a great time manager or being disorganized. It's not a good look. And tell me, in your experience, what would give the impression that you aren't a good time manager to your colleagues? So being late to meetings, I think showing up last minute with reports or with work having no conversation with the team. And then a day before the piece of work is due, showing up and asking 20 questions to try and clarify what you need to do or what you need to finish, as opposed to working on it through the week or having that information ahead of time. Those are a couple. Can I suggest that one of the things that can undermine people is that there is a cult of busyness. And maybe this is something we might touch on in a, in a future DEDx, I don't know. But this kind of idea that actually organizations prize busyness it is a badge of honor. And therefore, for some people, time management, if it comes with that kind of idea that you are, look how busy I am, I've got to manage my time so well because I am so busy, can actually have a, a dark side to it. Definitely, there's a dark side, the culture of busyness. We do see that all the time. Interesting, though, I'm not sure that it continues as your career progresses. Do you continue to see that culture of busyness as you become more senior? As you get more senior, you're obviously way smarter. So you might be value sometimes to reflect and to really make a difference. Well, I mean, I was just thinking as you were speaking that there's that probably urban legend that Warren Buffett works four hours a day or something. And hasn't Bill Gates just come out and said, we don't need four day weeks, we need three day weeks, actually. It's all. So, so maybe there is something about seniority. But equally, I mean, you'll know this as well as I do. There are lots of very, very busy senior people. Yeah. who probably don't have a lot of time to do the reflection and the thinking. Definitely. Is that down to time management? I don't know. I think it's more about choice. So mm-hmm. as you become more senior, you're choosing to, to spend your time on those activities and you're choosing how much to squeeze in to your day. Mm-hmm. As you're coming through your career, there's maybe a bit less choice associated with that. Mm-hmm. How often do you see people talking about time management who are coming at it from a perspective of they're overworked and they're, they're struggling to cope and they see time management as the way out. Every single person. I have never heard anybody get even vaguely interested in time management who has got plenty of time and actually is fine. It's a prescription to a problem, the problem being I don't have enough time, rather than a necessary kind of part of doing a job. Because actually the idea being, if you somehow naturally have good time management skills, you don't need to think about time management. 
some of that self-imposed on individuals or is it imposed by the organization? A bit of both, I would say. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes there are managers or, or whatever who look at their team and say, my team is terribly badly organized, they need time management. And sometimes it's somebody going, God, I need to double my productivity. I haven't got any more hours in the day. The only answer is time management. I've got to get on that. So what would you offer them as an alternative answer? I know we're jumping forward. We're going to come back in a minute to that. But Yeah. What would I suggest for somebody who was thinking I need to do more with the same amount of time? Yeah. I would say, first of all, that's not possible. Actually, you can't do more. You can't create time. See my point about you can't get time back. But actually, what you can do is get really clear about what are you doing? What's the reason you're doing the stuff? What aligns with what you're trying to deliver and to make happen? Mm-hmm. And that will determine your success or otherwise. So it's not about doing more because unless you're doing everything at snail's pace, you're probably optimizing that or close to optimizing that as it is. Yeah. You see a link to perfectionism in there with people that are looking for time management? Yeah. And control and the need or the desire to keep hold of things to make sure that you do that what the outcome is, that something will be done to your standard because you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And that talks to the perfectionist point rather than releasing some of those tasks down to others who could do it for you, do it with you, do it on your behalf. And I think that that is some really interesting stuff. So, yeah, I think if you can get better at being less of a perfectionist, which, wow, isn't that easier said than done. But Definitely. if you can do that, it allows you to delegate more. Delegating more will create more space for you to work differently yourself, perhaps. So maybe I'm just really lucky that I'm not a perfectionist. <laughs> I think, John, we're both very lucky we're not perfectionists. I'm not, I'm not sure we would uh, be very successful if we were, or at least not successful as a team. <laughs> True there. So we think we've started to talk about some of these points, but it feels like we're coming down on the side of management being kind of nonsense mm. as a concept or as a framing that we often hear. It. Are there any other really kind of dark sides to time management that are worth highlighting? Yeah. I definitely think that there are. And one of those is this idea of burnout and performance. So I think this idea that if you work really, really hard and you're optimized, your time management is absolutely optimized, then you will be able to just keep going and keep going and keep going. And I think that is a problematic idea because it blames the individual for the fact that they are not able to keep going and keep going. There's classic conditions for burnout. Yeah. What, the, what other one from, yeah. the other one for me is around assigning value. So if you're going to manage all the activities that you do mm. and optimize them, then you need to assign value to everything. And how do you assign value to meeting someone at the coffee machine mm. and having a chat for a minute? How do you assign value to the activities that increase connection, build trust in your work environment? Mm. And almost by definition, you can't, or it's very hard to do that. And so by kind of extension, those are the first activities that get binned in an environment where you're trying to optimize for performance. Yeah, I think we see that sometimes. I mean, not that you should be standing at the coffee machine for 20 minutes every hour, but I think there is a need to think about how do you connect in your workplace with the people that you're around. That's probably made worse too with all the hybrid and remote driving task focus even harder Mm. than, than if you're in the office. I think another problematic challenge is where time is measured as a value. So you're measured by the time that you spend on a task. So I'm thinking of lawyers and accountants, particularly. Billable there are hours. Of, yeah, billable hours, exactly. And that creates some challenges because if what's getting measured is how many hours you do, kind of the most likely thing is that you're going to do more hours to do that. And actually, if that's not helpful, or that's not the most value adding thing, I'm not really making a lot of sense here, but that, that billable hours can really 
add another dimension to this kind of idea of what gets measured gets done. Well, accelerates overwork to some extent, I think, and creates the incentive more and more work. So, yeah, from the value perspective, I think if you're really focused on the timepiece, one of the big risks is that you overvalue structure and rigor and you undervalue adaptability and flexibility. Mm-hmm. I think if we look at the some of the studies that we see there around what people are looking for, what great work consists of, how do we come up with creative or innovative changes to whatever it is the, the product is that we're working on. Adaptability, flexibility, those little bits of time, I think are critical to the quality of the output. Mm-hmm. And by taking them out or optimizing for structure and rigor, I think I would be tempted to make an argument that over a period of time, the, the quality of the output is not going to improve as much as it could have done mm-hmm. with a bit more adaptability and flexibility in the mm-hmm. system. I don't know yeah. if you buy that. Totally buy that. And I think it's a balance. And that balance requires judgment and it requires some sophistication. And I think the easier option is to say, work harder, manage your time better. And I think that is not the way that will necessarily help people over time and organizations as well over time. How do you think leaders, how do leaders in organizations manage this? What can they do to kind of show up? That's a trick question for Anna. So, Is it a trick question because you have an idea in mind, John? Let me ask you that question. <laughs> Go. There I go. I didn't actually have an answer, but if I think about it for a minute, I think it's around this concept of leaders. They like to see the things that they're good at in their subordinates as well, quite often. So if I'm a sales, I'm I'm trying to think of a good example, but if I'm a really organized and rigor focused individual, I want to see that in, uh, I value that in other people as well. Mm. So I think if you're a leader and you have a real focus around time management, then there's an expectation that you're going to set for your team around that. Mm-hmm. I do think there's an opportunity on the other side of that. So because if you quite often, if you're someone who gets stuff done, time management is reasonably flexible. I do think you can look at other people and you can see, well, they're pretty organized and they're delivering good work. That can be a positive. But I think it's about being organized to your original point, as opposed to just the time management piece. And I really like that. And I think that makes me think as a leader, there's a real responsibility about the conditions that you create and the shadow that you cast, essentially what what expectations you set for your team, overtly or inadvertently. Yeah. So, I mean, in that context, if you're a leader who allows for interruption, if you allow for people to check in with you, if you don't expect to see the finished article all 100% done, then you're creating those conditions around flexibility, you're allowing people to get stuff done and get kind of little bits of feedback along the way. Mm. That feels a lot more motivational than cramming to get this thing done and on your desk for five o'clock on Friday, where you spend half an hour looking at it and hand it back to me and ask me to redo it over the weekend. Uh, So I think we're diving into it really, but if time management is not the panacea that it's cracked up to be, what are the alternatives? The same issue exists. I've got to get more done in the same amount of time. How should I be thinking about that? What should be on my agenda? Is it always getting more done or is it getting the right stuff done? Great. First question. Yeah. Brilliant. So I think it's about getting the right stuff done. So there is stuff around prioritization for sure. So what's important and what's urgent, thinking about that and Mm -hmm. being clear that you're working on something for the right reason. I don't really consider that time management so much. I think that's organization prioritization. 
the classic that you and I hear all the time in our coaching work, which is the ability to say no mm-hmm. to stuff, which many people struggle with that, especially if it's someone senior asking them for something. And I think there's lots of ways to say no without saying no sometimes or getting to a point where it's clear that that is not something that's going to add value today. So it's not no, it's maybe not today. And then delegation, if you have the ability to delegate, if you have some resources available, make sure you're using them. Can I talk about one of the things that I really like when it comes to thinking about getting stuff done and being effective? I don't know if we have time left in the podcast, Anna, because we're really (laughs) focused on finishing here. Okay, I'll be brief. I think there's something about managing energy. So acknowledging that a work day is a long time, 12 hours, let's say, maybe eight hours if you're lucky. And actually, over that time, you can't be consistently productive. You can't, it doesn't matter what your focus is like. It doesn't matter how carefully you've planned your day. Actually, you've got to think of your day in terms of sprints. It's not a marathon. So when are you most productive? If the time that you are that you're most productive is in the morning, how are you considering your morning? Is that the time when you sit down and do that big chunky piece of work, write that report in silence? Are you turning your emails off? Are you being clear around that? How are you using the times when you're an extrovert? You get energy from other people. How are you building that into your day so that there is that coffee machine time or choose some time to go and have a one-to-one with somebody? And just kind of scheduling in the things that give you or deplete your energy consciously. I think that's important. I also think, and this is really interesting, that there's something around decision-making fatigue. So this is the idea that decisions take energy. It's an incontrovertible fact. There's loads and loads of um, research in, in psychology around this. And so how can you strip out some of those decisions? Notably, Barack Obama talked about stripping out as many decisions as he could from his day. What did he wear? What did he eat? All those kind of things, because he knew they had to make some really big decisions every day that he was president. So what's our own version of that? How do you strip some of those out in order that you are focused on the important stuff? And some of that is delegating some of those less important decisions. Maybe at your level, you don't need to decide where the Christmas party is or what's on the menu for vegetarians. Maybe that can go to somebody else. Just therefore freeing up a bit more energy to do the things which are valuable, which do create some opportunities for you. And additionally, perhaps replenish you as well. So you're kind of making the case, which I know that you like, which is that the time is fixed, right? We can't change it. So it's not about time management. It's about deciding what we're going to do within that window. Mm. And how do we make that fit our needs? Yeah. So where do we get energy? I love the idea about sprints. I think if I think about how I work, that's... Definitely when I do some of my best work, it's when I sit down and do a sprint, which is 30 minutes, 45 minutes, maybe an hour, but it rarely goes longer than that. I think the productivity starts to drop off for sure and distractions start to eat in. So yeah, I I do like the idea of sprints. And if I was to sum that up, that's about managing yourself, not your time. That's my suggestion for the alternatives. Okay. It's a little bit of a stretch, but time management and motivation, time management and joy at work. Is there a connection? Yeah, of course there is. Of course there is, because all of these things are linked. Absolutely. The extent to which you enjoy your job, get pleasure from your job, will affect your motivation. Your motivation will affect how much you want to go and do that job. So probably your focus on it, probably your ability to work out what's important, all these things. There is nothing, is my observation in organisational life, which isn't deeply interconnected with lots of other things. And the value for us all is understanding some of those interconnections and saying, okay, I don't feel motivated today. What might that be about? And maybe it isn't about, oh, it's because I intrinsically don't feel motivated. Maybe it's about the fact that there are too many competing priorities and and there's something that I need to do about that. Or maybe it's about something else in the system. I think 
that for me is key in this conversation. So on the time management piece, going back to a piece that you said in the beginning of the conversation, which is people love tips and tricks. We buy lots of books. We listen to lots of podcasts. Those tend to focus on all the things that we're not doing and how bad we are Mm -hmm. and give us all these vast array of ways that we can restructure or retool the whole process to some extent. I just wonder if an alternative to that is identifying what we do do well and then saying, how do I make sure that I do more of that? How do I recreate those conditions where I'm putting out some good work? So coming at it from a positive standpoint, as opposed to, oh, shit, this is a mess and I've got to redo it all. And that's absolutely the positive psychology perspective on this, isn't it? It's about how do you get to that flow state where you're, where everything's easy, where you're focused, where you're absolutely delivering. Have you ever been? Um, I'm sure I have once or twice. It's not something <laughs> I recognize every workday, if I'm perfectly honest. But I mean, sure, that's what we're aiming for. And let's take a strengths-based approach to that. We all have things that really work for us. You, know, you talked about your 45-minute sprints. I think that's often valuable for lots of people, but other people have personal ways of doing things that work for them. And how do you build those out and how do you replicate those in order that you can be as successful as you want to be and you need to be. Yeah, and building from small improvements. So how do you identify the little changes and say, notice the impact they've made and, and be happy with a little change? You know, it's not going to be a revolution in a week. Mm-hmm. So how do I, how do, the whole continuous improvement kind of mindset and say, I tried this, did it work? Yes or no? Did it make me feel better about my job? Yes or no? Am I connecting more? I think this, it is all connected. So I think we're coming to the end of time management, yay or nay. And I think this is a bit of a tricky one to decide on whether we bin it. And I'm going to be interested to see if we agree or disagree. Are you going to go first or am I going to go first? Go on, you go first. Okay, so I'm going to bin time management as a concept and focus on organization. Love it. And I completely agree. I feel slightly sullied by the idea of time management. And I'm going to replace it with kind of managing myself, managing my energy. But maybe we could sell some coaching focused on time management skills <laughs> and get a whole new business line going. Then we'd be part of the problem, not part of the solution, John. Yeah, we would want to do that. All right, Anna. I really enjoyed that conversation today and I uh, look forward to the next one. Yeah, me too. Thanks, John. Bye. See you next time. Bye. Check out the show notes for content links and ways to connect with us. We'd love to hear your DEDx ideas. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please take time to rate and subscribe. Thanks.